feeling sluggish and unproductive? Need a boost to get through the day? Well, take some Gitgo Brain Juice, bitch. Gitgo Brain Juice, bitch, will give you the energy you need to power through the day. But be warned, bitch, there may be side effects. That's right. Gitgo Brain Juice, bitch, may cause uncontrollable rage. But don't worry, that's just a sign that it's working, bitch. Side effects may include tachycardia, insomnia, phone, anxiety, depression, confusion, seizures, hallucinations, or like paranoia, and extreme weight loss, malnutrition, anti-hydration, cognitive impairment, and permanent irreconcilable brain damage. Dark urine when standing up or lying down. Take Gitgo Brain Juice, bitch, today and unleash your inner maniac. It is important to use all these prescribed by a doctor and to be aware of the potential risks and side effects when standing up or lying down. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Engage. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Go! Just one more thing. I want to go to there. Bitch! The language! Unbelievable! I love it when a plan comes together. Enough is enough. Lord can't control what he can't access. I thought you unplugged him. I did. This is her. She's locking us out from the bridge. Now, take their ears. Ensign rings the bridge. Do you copy? Damn it, Calms are dead. Take the very road ahead of them. With nowhere left to run. Access the ship's security comms from here. I'm trying, but the bridge is locking us out. Transport security, everything. There it is. Hello. And welcome to the Best Bits TV talk show, where we talk about a show on TV. This is Kevin, and as always, I'm joined by Will. Hello, Will. Hello, Kevin. How are you? What can I say without sounding like a broken record? I adored this episode, and consequently, I feel great. I I feel lovely. I feel lovely, like Miss Lovely. And uh, you look lovely. Well, thanks very much. I try. That's why I put on the why I put on the wig and the fake eyelashes. Do it just for you. And this 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 episode and the tassels. Made me, I like those yeah. tassels. <laughs> but if I I can go sixty RPMs with these babies, you know, I could I could oh, I, I could charge a small dynamo. Or I am a, like a small dynamo. I. Uh, this is a great episode. Tell me about this episode, Kevin. Who directed it? What's it called? Who directed it? Who wrote it? This episode, let me just confirm my notes here, is called Surrender. And it was directed by Deborah Campmeyer, who also directed last week's episode. This one was written by Matthew Okumura. I think I have that pronunciation right. And the synopsis for it is quite brief, quite short. And it goes, Vadik forces Picard to make an impossible choice. Deliver what he can never give. Or watch his crew perish. There you go. It's not his crew, though. I have a question about that in this episode. Hmm. But that's the synopsis. Broadly speaking, you know I loved it. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be hard for them to miss at this stage for me. What did you think of it? 
I, I, when I said I feel lovely, this film, the film, this, the episode made. I it thought feels like a film. I yes, it is. I genuinely think this show is lovely, and this episode made me feel lovely. It's such a strange feeling, but I'm like, I, I. It's not nostalgia. It's not nostalgia. There's a there's no. It, I think you'd need to be a miserable prick to dislike the show at this stage because it's not the TNG series it feels like a hybrid of that and the movies but it's just like a love letter in the best possible way to the TNG cast mm. hey not to t- not to put you on attention too much but you know what I started listening to this week uh, someone recommended uh, the best bits book I've heard it's a good podcast. The main show. Actually, for those who are just listening to this on the separate feed, we do a side podcast. <laughs> well, it used to be the main podcast called The Best Bits. Oh, yeah. So uh, come on over and listen to that. <laughs> There's 50 it's episodes. It's great. 50 episodes were already in waiting for you there. Painstakingly crafted for your for your uh, auditory pleasure. You know what I've been... And listen to plot twists, you cowards. Oh, yeah. That was good. Who edited that one? I, <laughs> I can't remember. Jesus. <laughs> Um, did you ever hear of the book The 50 Year Mission have you ever heard no but it isn't this is the Star Trek built around the 7 year mission well this is there's actually two books made and oh my fucking uh, a super Star Trek fan recommended it to me and I got the audio book because I don't have the time to read an actual book and they're two separate volumes the first volume is basically like a diary or no uh, interview interviews with all of the original players of the original series and the second one is uh the interviews with all of the the making of the tng and the silver age the tv tv show silver age it's fucking incredible it's like uh, done in the mad max fury road remember the blood and chrome book which was kind of all oh, like, right yeah yeah yes, that was a great book so it, it it's the most comprehensive uh, oral uh, document of the making of Star Trek. It's fucking brilliant. It's fucking brilliant because the guy you reminded go on. the guy who wrote it. He uh, he the two guys wrote it. the first guy uh, the, the the two of them co-wrote it. But one of the co-writers was actually on set. So he on set of the original Star Trek. So he interviewed everyone from its genesis up. So Gene Roddenberry and everything like that. So it's um it's so fucking comprehensive. Oh right, okay. I have to get on that. I'm constantly like using up my audible credits and stuff I don't listen to you love it The fir- a book one is 26 hours and book two is 34 hours okay yep that's that's my weekend sorted <laughs> sorry you were saying you remind me of something what did it remind you of I've been watching the Center Seat documentary on Amazon which is an 11 part documentary narrated by Gates McFadden that was on the History Channel I believe and is now on Amazon Prime yes. Um, about Star Trek, and it is glorious. Will why it's really genuinely superb? What is it? What, okay, I'm assuming, is it about the captains? Is it interviewing the captains, or what is it? It's about Star Trek in general. It goes right back to the beginning of the show. It goes through the next generation, the 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 movies, everything. It, it covers the whole lot. Voyager, DS Nine. Um, it has interviews with a lot of the people who are no longer with us: Leonard Nimoy and Nichelle Nichols and. And it gets into some nitty gritty stuff, like about the reason why Kess left Voyager. Oh wow! Uh, the actress having issues and what the other crew were thinking, the cast were thinking of her. Yeah. Um, but it's it's great. I mainlined about eight episodes there one night. I was just like burning through it, like watching it on my phone. Um, 
and the center seat I would highly recommend it it's really good and what's it on again what's it, Amazon what's it on <gasps> oh my god you've made my viewing my viewing nights uh, do you know what so as well fun. though it what? it highlighted things that I got wrong on the Star Trek episodes that we did really yeah it, it paints Gene Roddenberry as a bit of um, an interfering dickhead at times where okay. They go through the the movies and how he would constantly rewrite them, and he would try and steal credit. And the same thing happened on the TV show, and he was causing so many problems um, for the creatives on Star Trek. And it highlighted that he had a difficult reputation, where he could be a force of good, but he could also be a bit of a dickhead. And his lawyer was pure evil. Wow! Really, really well produced. What's good about the, the the audiobook that I'm listening to is that there's a very much a Rashomon effect where you have different accounts of incidences, you know, by, from the parties, from the inter- by interview, through interviews with the diff- various parties who were involved. And uh, like the, the, it's warts and all. And people are narky in it. Like one of them calls Majel Barrett uh, a bit up herself. And she, oh, she's a bit, of, she's a bit up herself. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, Jesus, people are people are kind of going at people in this and it, so it's uh, so when you get that candid uh, kind of informa- information or uh, view behind the curtain it's they've interviews with Nicholas Meyer as well you know on the he did yeah, I think he wrote the fourth movie and he directed the first and the sixth or the second yeah. and the sixth and sort of his contract negotiations and, and him saying um talking to the executives and saying we need 30 million and they're like well we'll give you 20 and he's like no, I'm sorry guys it's not a negotiation I'm telling you that we need 30 million and they were like well I thank you for that information and he left the thing and they said uh, they've cancelled the movie and he was like in complete shock and then some of those executives got fired new people came in they said they called him up and they said you know what do you need Sherry Lansing I think was one of them what do you need and he goes I need 10 million and they're like got it and then Undiscovered country was <laughs> off to the races. No, he, need, he needed thirty million, Nicholas. You need thirty million, not ten million. No, they were giving him twenty, him and he said, "I need 30. I know, so was but I could million. Have, I could have. Diff- t- oh, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could have told him. I need from 70. the beginning. Yeah, go go in. If you need thirty, you ask for fifty, right? And then they'll give you thirty. <laughs> or no, go in and ask for a fucking hundred, and then they'll give you thirty. That's so, what uh, I do in Tesco, but you know, it's the self checkout, and I don't get anything back. <laughs> I'll give you 50. I'll give you 50 for the week. That'll do. <laughs> the self-checkout is genuinely my own personal, uh, you know, that thing in the uh, Superman, the little limbo zone where you feel you did or the Zod and his two minions were stuck. What did them, um, you know, I just feel like I'm there, bloop, and this unexpected thing and, and I'm, I'm just Yeah, like, I never get through an actual, I never get through an actual purchase without having to call over one of the staff constantly. I know, and like, and like when I'm buying my They keep my telling tampons, me like, stop sitting on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, you just conjured up a mini bit story, which I won't go into right now. We need to talk about this uh, this episode, Kevin. And for those listening on the separate feed, the mini bits is what we do on Patreon. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> we basically have We're our own podcast network, Kevin. We, we have our own podcast network. The ratings are spectacular. Hey, will I will I kick us off? Right, do so. This episode this episode begins with Vadic on the bridge of the Titan smoking her cigar deliciously and she is she's in charge she has the she has the crew captured and uh she begins oh. squeezing yes 
cuts off their ability trouble. to see, cuts off their ability to communicate or retaliate and locks the crew, all the crew, out from the bridge. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I was on the edge of my seat watching this. I thought it was mm-hmm. fantastic. And I knew that she was going to execute some of the main bridge crew. And I knew that she was going to broadcast that. But I was still like tense throughout the whole thing. I thought this was so well directed again just that opening shot of mm-hmm. like coming in through the the fisheye of the of the um the, the what dome, would you call it kind of like yeah the dome observation thing. dome over above, mm-hmm. above the the helm yeah and i guess it it's foreshadowing that she's going to be sucked out into space at the end of it <laughs> spoiler spoiler we're going yeah. to get there yeah get there brilliant though really tense and it, it felt like a movie to me it felt like i was watching i don't know uh the hunt for red october or something Mm-hmm. It's this this whole thing has just been such a gift, such a fucking gift for us uh, Star Trek TNG I fans. I love it. I fucking love it. So yeah, at the end of this, the best kind of fanfic. It's brilliant. And at the end of this, at the end of this opening pro- prologue before the credits, as you said, uh, she has them. She has their eyes and their ears, and she's got the crew trapped. And credits. Her henchmen roll. are going through the corridors, and they're executing the crew, and she's listening to to the screams and the face of fire it's like this is bleak and intense what does she want what is she after she's after jack yeah that's all she wants give yourself up jack and i will let the crew go let everyone go that's all she wants or or so she says and crusher and picard are with jack and they are pleading with him to hold his nerve to not do what she wants not she's not Mm -hmm. to be trusted and Yeah. yeah We go to credits, we come back from that, and um, yeah. We're on board the Shrike. We're aboard the Shrike, Which, and it's the reintroduction of Deanna Troy. Wasn't it lovely? It is, she's, she has her accents kind of sorted out from that kind of hologram that we saw in episode one or two. Her accent seems to be back to its old ways, I think. And do you know what I immediately felt? I was like, I didn't realise how much I love Troy. And how much her energy is necessary to have the full roundedness of the TNG vibe. That yeah. she just has this, she just has this goofy maternal gentleness that I think is really important. And also Data brings it in this episode. And I think those elements are are vital to giving the TNG crew their full roundedness and their sort of mm-hmm. their their difference from all the other crews. And I thought this conversation between the two of them, between herself and Riker, was wonderful. It was so interesting, the sort of the the ideas they were debating about him needing to feel the grief of his son and her mm-hmm. feeling the grief of everybody and wanting to take his grief away from him, to take his pain away, and him resenting that because it was the last thing that he had of his son. And he, her taking it away was taking away the last elements of his son from him. I thought it was fantastic. It's really yeah, it's really, really lovely, lovely stuff. And I got you understand up. the motive. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's you can't skip so to sincere. the end. You can't skip to the end of healing. It's lovely, a lovely sentiment. And that's why I say lovely. This is the thing. Lovely came into my mind so much in this episode. I was surprised that that word just kept popping in there. I was like, oh, that's lovely. I'm just and seeing them together. Oh, it's lovely seeing them together. And even though their their back is against the wall, and we learn in this episode that Riker did give the compromise code to the. I didn't um, think they needed to include that line of exposition. 
And what what it it works on a couple of levels for me. It works because there's a there's a little bit of humor that's uh, extracted from it when Riker says something like, "Well, I just hope that Picard's out there and he's set a trap and he's just he's yeah, he, you get he that, knows what I'm up to. You get that and, nice uh, sort of jumping off point back to the back to the uh, Titan. Yeah, but we already know the trap is he set the trap and the trap's failed. You know, so it's just like, oh, right, Riker, that you know, unfortunately, Picard kind of did what you wanted him to do, but it hasn't worked out for. They balanced it really well, I thought. Um, yeah. The only thing is, I. Th- it's a shame they didn't create some sort of like second in command for Vadic on the Shrike so that you felt like you know the way in Nemesis you had Tom Hardy and then you had Ron Perlman as his yeah. number one I think if if the Vadic had a number one that she left on the Shrike it would have mm. felt more tense then because they could have had a, a little bit of a space battle at the end uh, yeah true 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 um, we also cut back to the Titan where we see Shaw and Seven on the bridge and you see this that animosity between the two is still there or animosity from Shaw's point of view about following Seven on this kind of adventure to begin with um, so he still, he still harbors resentment towards her for making that call for him felt like he was telling her that, that she needs to be harder and she says I draw the line at trading lives and he's like all actions have consequences so I like that mm. I thought that that was them really seeing eye to eye for the first time and she was like my name is seven of nine one minute left. Mm. Yeah. but we skipped over one thing that I wanted to mention because I thought it was quite funny and I don't know whether it was a mm. joke or not but Troy says that she knew when the changeling came masquerading as Riker that it wasn't really him and he was like she was like, but he still had that same charisma. And he was like, well, how was he? And she's like, good in bed, but bad at pizza. So did Troy sleep with the changeling? She That's what joking? she's implying. <laughs> yeah, I think she's joking, but it's a fucking good joke. <laughs> and the way he rolled with it as well. He rolled with it like, you know, ah, I know her humor. They do feel like a married couple and that they're, they've got a nice rapport. Hmm. Yeah. What was that joke in The Simpsons where... Um, there was a, a guy pretending to be Homer. He was a German guy. And he came back to marriage. You're not my husband. Yeah, please forgive my unexplained two-week absence. To make it up to you, we will go out to dinner at a sensibly priced restaurant, then have a night of efficient German sex. Well, I sure don't feel like cooking. I can't remember what episode that was, but yeah, it was a guy pretending to be Homer. <laughs> well, wh- 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 why wouldn't you? Uh, why wouldn't you not, of course? Uh, hey, Vadik now is doing her dastardly stuff in trying to lure Jack out, which is she uh, she tells them that she's going to execute a member of the crew every one person every ten minutes. Meanwhile, she comes out. Jack has demonstrated his warging abilities, which is that he's able to project his consciousness into other crew people, like he did with Sydney in that last episode, and he goes mm. to one of the upper decks and he has a look around uh, through the eyes of this crew member and we see that crew members have been impaled and murdered and there are people hiding until that guy gets killed and I so like that I loved it and um, I just loved the tension impaling between and murdering impaling and murdering just makes you feel lovely too I just, that scene just made me feel really lovely I thought this was like action packed and exciting as hell mm-hmm. I did like that they were able to, to get back into the Christmassy vibe with the Troy and Riker stuff where they would have jokes between each other and then later on when Worf comes into it. But I thought they balanced it well between this being really tense and exciting. I don't know, it felt like Die Hard to me in, in a lot of ways. Mm. I was getting yeah, Die Hard vibes get from it. Yeah. The way that they could switch between suspense yeah. and action and then comedy. But um, yeah, so 
Vadik then starts toying with the crew and she pulls out two crew members from the lineup and it's Lieutenant Mora and Ensign Esmar and Ensign Esmar is the little one with the, the sort of the green makeup who is the most scared. She notices she's got a tear in her eye and uh, I love this scene where she was going back and forth, sizing them up and announcing over the comms to the whole crew but speaking specifically to Jack and sort of trying to tease him out that she's going to start mm. executing them. And what were you thinking yeah. of this? Because I thought Shaw was going to get it. Yeah, I, I was thinking this is our moment to lose someone big and I thought it was going to be... It was definitely wasn't going to be Seven, but I thought it might be Shaw in this in this moment. But he's too good a character. They couldn't... They just couldn't... They couldn't execute him right now. Did you did you skip over the bit where we have we have Jack using his puppeteering skills to puppeteer one of those uh, officers on the deck. No, I just said on the that. Cr- oh, right, okay. But like to put input the code. Because I said he was walking down the corridors and he could, he saw crew members being impaled. And oh no, there's a second. That was the first time he puppeteered. No, no, we're getting to that. Second time. We're getting oh, to that right, because okay. yeah, we're out of sync on that. But right, okay, okay, okay. Yes, yes, yes. Vadik yes, pulls okay. up Lieutenant Moran and Ensign Esmar, and meanwhile Jack is told. Jack has said to Crusher and to Picard that I'm different there's something different with me and I did love the way that the, his parents were like rallying around him and, and saying we're here for you tell us what, what's on your mind we've got your back um, and also just not wanting him to give up his life because mm-hmm. they knew that it was a trap and he and says the, the whole, she's going to blow everyone she's going to blow the whole ship so does, it's just it's, a, it's pointless giving yourself up so and go on yeah, and so he wargs, to use Game of Thrones parlance, into Lieutenant Mura. And the plan is that if they can enter Picard's uh, override codex into the computer, that will give them back command of the ship, or at least mm-hmm. the bridge. Uh, and I questioned this because in the, the synopsis it said Picard's crew. And in this, it's Picard's override. But why would Picard have an override codex to the Titan when he's a retired admiral? Did I just keep those things? I read it as, oh, listen, all retired admirals have this sort of stuff. They have their secret key to any vessel if they need to use it. That's handy. Because that's, the, that's what you have when you're, when you're an old guy. It's like the, the keys to the private uh, toilets, uh, the executive toilets, if you're a part of Apple or something like that. When I left my job, they, they swept my key card off me immediately. I couldn't get back into the building. Damn right too. I wouldn't fucking let you back in. <laughs> the, the stuff you would do. So, uh, Lieutenant Mura, um, he gets overtaken by Jack. His eyes go red and he leans over to one of the consoles and he starts entering in Picard's codex. And I thought, ooh, geez, this seems like quite an easy solution. Yeah. I was hoping it would work out, but of course you never want things to go the way of your heroes. You want to make things more and more awkward and difficult. So he immediately gets caught and Vadik is like, how do you know Picard's uh, password, essentially? And she's like, oh, Jack, are you in there? You're starting to come into your own. You're realizing the powers that you possess. And then she says, okay, well, look, I'm tired of playing around here. Um, she wants the crew members that she pulls out, Esmer and Mura, to identify themselves so that everybody on the ship can hear. And it, it reminded mm-hmm. me of like in Die Hard when... Um, John McLean is listening to what's his head uh, Alan Rickman no Alan Rickman has got what oh. he's got Hans Gruber's got um, hey booby it's the guy who says 
Booby. Oh God, what's his name? I've seen Die Hard fifty times and I can't remember his name. I uh, Lance. No. Um Shirley. It's not Shirley. Uh Deborah. Holly McLean. Holly Valance. Holly Janeiro. I am going to have to uh, look it up because otherwise it's gonna be on my bloody head. Die Hard Booby. Jesus Christ! He's gonna fucking kill Hans, you! Booby, I'm the your f- white knight. Yeah. Ellis. 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 So I it, met Ellis before tonight. It reminded me of that. And mm. then I thought she's going to blow away Esmer, the little crying one. She gets more to tell people what your name is. And she's like, no, 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 no. I want something personal. Who loves you? Yeah. And he goes, my son. Uh, oh, you have a rough. son. And she's yeah. like, Picard has a son. I want you to... Or tell Picard to send Jack here. And he's like, I can't. Why not? Because I'm Starfleet. I was like, oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah. I thought I, I thought it was just w- cruel, wonderful, uh, cr- Great wonderful villainry. cruelty. Yeah, when she says, tell me about someone who loves you. I was like, fuck. That's really putting the guilt on Jack, Picard, and Beverly's shoulders. Like, you know, no, there's a, there's a person going to be executed every time. Every 10 minutes, she's going to do something where she twists. And the powerlessness of Geordie listening to it and Crusher and Picard listening to it. And they're looking at Jack and this is like, please just don't, don't do what she says. And Mm. uh, thankfully she kills the Vulcan who don't feel anything. (laughs) Yeah, actually, yeah, she wasn't, she wasn't too bothered. I would have killed her too. (laughs) (laughs) Lieutenant Teeveen. Yeah, she blows her away. And it was quite shocking, to be honest. It, it caught me off guard. Mm. There was a few things happened in this episode where I thought, oh, you are really spinning me here, and I love it. But mm, yeah, she great stuff. blows away the bald lady uh, Vulcan officer. Shame to lose her, because I thought if they do Star Trek Legacy, she'd be a good character to bring back. Um, and then we cut back to Troy and Riker, and they're continuing their talk. And this is where I love the conversation between the two of them where she was talking about yeah. she felt everyone's grief and that um, you can't skip to the end of healing and he, he's saying I needed to feel that grief Diana and then they get honest with each other it's sort of yeah. by, I, I guess talking about the pain they realise that I don't like that house we're living in and I don't like it either why didn't you tell me and and it was lovely to get them to that point where they, they're so reconciled and they're, they're being truthful with each other again. And she's like saying, I miss the city. I just miss the fucking city. And they both just start talking about the stuff they hate about in the house, the, the steps that lead up to the front door. And it's... I miss oh, chocolate. God, just, I want chocolate. They're just so great. And of course, then who appears? Who fucking appears? Only the awkward other guy. Because we all have to this remember that Worf is the other guy. I loved it. Do you know what was funny, though? Was the way that it was cut together was... So one of Vadik's goons enters the cell and he's obviously there to rough them up a bit more. And then suddenly Worf's cutlet, or it's not a bathlet, it's some other weapon he's got for this series. He has a new weapon each series. Um, pierces the chest of the guy. He falls down. Troy and Riker look down to the floor. And then Worf... The, the, the score swells Worf blows the guy away just to be doubly sure <laughs> and mm. um, I guess because he's a he's a changeling he probably turned into a puddle of snot so it's best to shoot him as well True, but it was yeah. the way that Riker and Troy then looked up and were like Worf I thought it was it was funny and they immediately went into comedy mode which I appreciated immensely <laughs> and she, 
uh, Deanna gives him a big hug and he says, one's personal space is a right or something like that. It's great. And I, listen. But then he goes. Listen. Then he goes. He's a stuff. Yeah, go on. Go on. Go on, go on, go on. He says, I have counted the days since I last saw you, like waves of the ocean, constant and unending. I have thought of your empathic gifts often since your evaluation and the work that I have done and the level of sensitivity that I have achieved has been in more ways than one. And Riker's like, is this a rescue mission or a continuation of torture? <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant stuff. I loved it. Yeah. Because, I don't know, everyone should notice that the, the one of the most egregious missteps they made in the final season of The Next Generation is that they they put Worf and Deanna Troy in a relationship. And it was so awkward and wrong. It was just like, no, 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 it doesn't feel right. It gave us one of the best moments of TNG when Troy is sitting on Worf's bed and Worf <laughs> peeks over the, the doorway. He's just, he looks like completely confused. I think that was one of the alternate universe episodes. But uh, oh, yeah. Jesus Christ, I, I don't know this meme. I'm going to have to look it up. You know it. It's, it where, up. it's where Worf just slowly like puts his head in. And he looks <laughs> okay, and Troy is like looking, looking at him, like going, "It's me, come to bed." <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's very funny. Oh, it's great stuff. Worf continues to be the comic relief of this entire series, and also be a bit of a badass. It's like best of both worlds. Love him. It's great. I howled at a moment coming up, but um, I'm sure you know what it is. It was really yeah, funny. Same. So Crusher Picard. Jack and Sydney, they head off towards, I don't know where they are on the ship. I'm going to say it's engineering, but I don't think it is. And uh, Jordy pulls a phaser on them. They pull a phaser on him. And Jordy's like, six years ago, I met you at your chateau. What happened? Picard, he goes, at Chateau Picard, you said the drink was too dry because your taste is pedestrian at best. And Jordy's like, yeah, that's Picard. <laughs> All this is fun, fun. It's, it's great fun, fun. fun. Yeah, it's not shitty. It's just fun. It's it's quick. It's sharp. It's it's just search for spot uh, kind of banter. Uh, yeah, it's good. Good. Good crack. It's good crack. I love it. It's good. It's good stuff. And we learned that uh, Jordy. Okay, for Jordy to get data uh, back up and running, he's going to need some time. And they and they have to remove the partition that's separating data from lore in Data's head. So that's what's going to going to have to be done. And we enter Data's mind and we see now kind of something I really enjoyed. Data This got me choked up as well. I'll be honest. I loved all of this bit in Data's mind. And um, Data's so childlike that um, Mm. this redeemed him in a lot of ways because he got very obnoxious in the movies towards the end. But him saying that his memories define who he is and that he had everything and Lore had nothing. And Lore is like the dark side of data and he, he tries to consume him consume everything about him to wipe out his existence he's taking his memories data's collected these trinkets he's kind of mocking him he says why are you holding those trinkets he says well each of these trinkets represent a memory of something that defines who i am and Laura's just taking them from him yeah he takes the, the sherlock pipe from when he go on the holodeck he takes his phaser he takes a memorial of tasha yar and uh, what got me choked up and Picard is like going Data's surrendering this feels like he's giving mm-hmm. up and he's like yeah he's like Data fight and uh, when I got choked up was when he yelled Spot ah uh, yeah and he How said could you not? he goes uh, Spot is the best of me the last of me oh god Kevin's it's gone. so stupid Kevin's gone <laughs> steady Kevin steady steady it's um 
you know, I'm in this period of life where I'm just getting emotional about everything. But um, when he's handing over this cat and saying, it taught me to love. It's like, oh, it's... Yeah. Actually, I love Data. He's so sweet. And um, Come here. it reminded me of those moments in the TNG episodes when it was Data and Spot. And there was a... Mo- Do you remember when Data got his emotion chip? Not when he got it officially, but when he got emotional about Spot. And he was like, Spot, like he really... It was the one thing he loved, truly felt love for. And After Tasha and- banged him. Now after well he didn't he didn't love Tasha but he loved <laughs> that was just pure spot. animalistic sex <laughs> yeah, he was just had to get it out of his system but like that connection to Spot and my God Spot has aged so well I can't fucking believe it he looks so great yeah he, he looks does. great but I genuinely got a little bit misty eyed at that moment as well you know him passing over Spot the last memory the last thing he's holding on to he passes over to Lauren it's just like Oh God! Don't get I saw it coming. I saw what he was doing, which is that once Lore has consumed all of Data's memories, then he's no longer different to Data. He is Data, and they embrace. And he's like, you know, we are me. Goodbye, brother. Mm-hmm. And Lore says goodbye, and sadly, that's the last we'll ever see of Lore. But Data then is back, and what a cool! I I wrote this in my notes. What a cool way to close out the story of lore. Because I don't feel on the in the series, I might be wrong, but I remember the lore storyline kind of feeling like it was a thread that was just kind of left hanging. And this gave it a proper final closure, for me anyway, as far as I can remember. And I just thought, that's nice. Nice closure. What I have found really commendable about this series, bringing it back, is that it's not just member berries, as we've said on other episodes, but it feels like it is tying off loose ends and yeah. the people that have worked on the show are obviously massive fans of the original TNG and the other franchises and they seem to be wherever they possibly can they are picking up strands and going let's close off that loop let's yeah. put a bow on this and that doesn't feel like it's pandering to you but it's rewarding you for being a fan of this mm. franchise and for me yeah. that's what's been so pleasurable about it is that I feel like this time away has been well spent and that it's so, as you said, lovely to get closure. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the data bit for me, it goes back to that pilot episode, the scene that was that they showed in the previous episode where Data meets Riker and the, and the holodeck. Yeah. And he's whistling. Always look ep- on the, the bright side of life. <laughs> <laughs> Doing hand farts. Yeah. <laughs> but Data's mission or his personal want from the pilot episode way back in 1986-87 was to be more human, to truly feel the human experience. And my God, this episode finally, after many attempts in the feature films, different times to give him his emotion chip and all that, it felt like it was almost pandering or just paying lip service to that or just using it, but not truly it came landing it. through in the end because Data wanted yeah. to be a real boy, but in the end, he became a real old man. That's what this episode does. And I think that's beautiful. It is. It's like, lovely. Oh, finally, you're, you're human, but you're at the end of your life. It's fucking so sweet. So, so sweet. He's there. It's, it's really, really nice. And also to be able to use contractions. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's like oh, or he's a changeling. 
Or Data's a changeling because he's using he's contractions. Not a changeling. I know. Can't be a changeling. <laughs> but um, yeah, so on the, the, the Shrike, they find Picard's body and they've taken the Iromodic stuff out of his brain. Mm-hmm. And uh, Worf, Riker, Troy, and Rafi, they get onto a shuttle, they head back towards the Titan, cloaked or whatever, and um, Data taps into the computer system. He has a, a line that he says across the whole ship, which is, um, this is your friendly positronic pissed off security system back online. And uh, that allows Riker and those guys to get on board the ship again. Rafi uh, fulfills her arc of becoming a ninja badass thanks to Worf training. She sees off about three of Vadic's goons while um, Jack... Oh, we skipped over where Jack comes onto the bridge and he's holding a grenade. Mm-hmm. Jack has done uh, yeah. Princess Leia in Return of the Jedi with the, with the thermal detonator and holding everyone hostage because he says he says I'm going to. Doesn't matter. Yeah, she, she says you, that's not going to blow everyone up. She says it doesn't matter because as long as I'm blown up, then you are you have failed. That's the most important thing. So he holds himself hostage. Yeah, and he gets the rest of the crew to go into the captain's quarters, I think. But Seven decides to stay back yeah. um, because she wants to face the consequences or whatever. And um, I didn't buy that moment, to be honest with you. But, you know, it's good to have Seven in shot. Uh, Data Data and Jack have been coordinating somehow. I think Data is aware of what the plan is. Uh, he tells Jack no. And then Jack hits the... Um, Grenade. Yeah, grenades, yeah. And it creates a force field around himself and Seven. And I thought this was shocking to me because I didn't know they were going to kill off Vadic this soon. And um, Picard says no, and they open the emergency escape hatch on the bridge. Seven and uh, Jack are safe inside the force field. Seven says, get off my bridge. And And Vadic says, fucking solids. (laughs) <laughs> did she say solids or fucking solid she said fucking fucking solid no fucking fucking a, solid man I've, I've solid a, out. or I have a solid in my pants uh, <laughs> uh, but you know what great it, death scene it was one of the few times where I've been okay with a swear word in the series and I was like going, yeah. that's appropriate if the bad guys are swearing I don't actually mind it if the good guys are swearing I'm like going don't be that that's, you know, wash your mouth up with soap you're but, always swearing are you the bad guy on the podcast yeah I am the bad guy fucking right I am but you're gr- you're right it's a great death scene and it's like her just it's an a- a- alien it's not the alien queen oh it is the alien queen or just the alien where she's been pulled out to the vacuum they did it space. alien and aliens yeah and combined it with T2 the T1000 where she just she starts to freeze over and, and she- gravity when Sandra Bullock kills off George Clooney what <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my god <laughs> That would probably be a better joke if everyone was more familiar with Gravity. But I, yeah, actually, I saw Gravity. I don't remember Gravity. <laughs> yeah, George Clooney. There was that line that Tina Fey and Amy Polo made that when they hosted the Golden Globes, which was like... Um, Gravity is nominated for Best Film. It's the story of how George Clooney would rather float away into space and die than spend one more minute with a woman his own age. <laughs> very good (laughs) at the time that was quite um, topical (laughs) why do I remember that it's all that useless crud in my brain that I don't need to hold on to it's just in there I said it last episode you have incredible recall for things that are more than uh, a week in the past Uh, thanks John (laughs) 
No problem, Patrick. <laughs> um, and then the big boom, because Shaw command is back in command of the ship, and they blow up the Shrike. They're doing really well at the moment in handling a cast of about 12, 13. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a, a lot of people to service in an episode, and I think it's definitely definitely balanced. You know, it's it's it, 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 I feel it's they're doing a good job of managing everyone here, and and what's what was good about this episode again it feels like we've closed off a three episode cycle you know by by yeah uh, defeating or killing Vadik. now it's like oh shit now we've the, the, the who's the next big bad guy obviously the big bad guy is whoever the the floaty talking ghost head is. writer yeah, yeah. You, what do you call him the ghost writer or ghost writer ghost writer you know the, oh, the marvel comics yeah, the, uh, the motorcycle guy with the flaming skull. Yeah, head. yeah, yeah. So, like, and again, this, these three episodes have kind of closed off this little did mini you arc. S- did you see somebody um, said spoilers for the next episode on Twitter? And it was uh, it was the, the face of the handler of Vadic, but it was actually Neelix's face was superimposed in, into it. Oh, it like, God. Another DS9 member appears in the next episode, spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> Somehow I don't think Neelix is going to be anywhere in the show or, you know. Oh, I'm gutted. Poor Neelix in his quirky kitchen. <laughs> I will never forgive Janeway for bringing him back. She should have just... <laughs> she should have beamed him into the bulkhead. He should have left with... Uh, he should have, Kess. Yes, he should have left with Kess. They were a couple, an unlikely couple, but the two of them should have left at the same time. Poor Neelix. But, okay, uh, we're, we're heading into my biggest laugh of the episode. Yes, same. Was Troy comes onto the bridge and she gets really faint and she says there's a there's an overwhelming darkness on board the ship. And we're thinking, hmm, why? Because we've just seen all of Vadik's people vanquished. They've blown up the Shrike and they're... They're, they're heading off with this, the fanfare music playing but Diana's like mm, no there's something really wrong on board the ship mm. all the crew for the first time in 20 years a little longer get around the conference table of the ready room and it's lovely to see them there and did you notice and maybe it's just my eyes playing tricks on me but the lighting on the ship brightened <gasps> after Vadik was killed oh I didn't notice my god and I've been complaining about it so much no, so it, it's gone back to no almost like Nemesis lighting. So it was much brighter in the ready room with everybody around the ship wow. or everybody around the table. And yeah, so Diana and Crusher have a moment uh, around the table after Crusher says that she has missed everybody and that she wishes that she was had been able to stay in touch. Mm-hmm. Um, I still don't get why she did that. I can get why you're keeping your distance from Picard, but everybody... It's a bit odd, Jack. Because anyway, if, you t- they- if you tell one, they'll fucking. You know, Deanna's going to tell everyone. She's just, she's just a real gossip. She yeah, tells Riker, Riker tells Picard. Yeah, it's just, it's just going to go everywhere. So, Deanna and Troy have that little moment, that little sort of like sisterly moment where they, they hold hands, and then Worf said in his really driest delivery yet, that made me howl. I have slaughtered countless enemies over the years and considered sending their heads to all of you. But I was advised that that was passive aggressive. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fucking laugh out fucking loud moment. It was brilliant. I actually will say my favorite moment of the series so far. It was just fucking hilarious. But it's done so well with setup payoff, which is that the two women are just like being very touchy feely. (laughs) Yeah. 
Worf thinks, actually, I have something to share as well, which is I've also <laughs> yeah. thought about you. <laughs> I've thought about sending the seven heads of my enemies to all of you as a gift. <laughs> and, it, well, and that's set up because we see that Worf has been on this kind of like meditation buzz. He's been in the Zen, the Zen zone. And that's, it's uh, just brilliant stuff. I love and, it. And it's like great you, to have them all back. Like you, this moment with them around the, the, the table in the ready room, it, fe- it, it was earned. We've gotten here. It's taken us eight episodes, but my God, each of those characters have been on a little micro journey to get there. And it's not just pandering. Oh, look, here's these old cronies around the, 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 the table again. It's not the story has taken us on an adventure with them and, and rekindled the warm affection we had for those characters and the, the relationships they have with each other. And Christ, I just, I was, I was just radiating that glow. I was just, I was just loving it. I basked, I basked in it. I was smiling from ear to ear. I was getting the fanny flutters watching it. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you remember I said to you at the start of the this run of episodes, I said that Terry Metalis wanted to give the TNG crew their undiscovered country, mm. their big send off, because he felt that they didn't have it, and this was going to be that. It was going to feel like a ten part feature film, and it was going to be a fitting send off, and he's really truly delivered I doubt they're gonna shit the bed on the next two no we're there um, this is good I was genuinely worried yet because you said you sent me a message to say that I'm in floods of tears and I was genuinely thinking oh shit something's going something bad is going to happen right at the no, end of the no that was episode. just me editing the last episode and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> covering for my flubs my fucking shit talk um, no I, I said this has just been I, I, I don't know. It, it sounds very touchy-feely and whatever, but I did grow up with this cast. I feel the affection for these the way some people feel for the original um, Star Wars cast. So when you had, and they, my God, did they drop the ball on the sequel trilogy where you had no scenes of Luke, Leia and Han back together and Chewie and, and the guys. Mm-hmm. Like, why bring them back and separate them? Such a dumb move. So for me to have the core TNG cast back together and they're rallying around each other. It's just, it's what I said I wanted from uh, when we did the Star Trek episode and they've delivered it for me. Yeah. But um, Diana says there's an ancient darkness within Jack passing through him, around him, consuming him. It's not him, but it's something within him. And then she says, it's time I met your son. And she sits down and she's quite sort of like forceful in this mm-hmm. saying, look, there's something you've been avoiding and it's time to let it out. And uh, do you have, do you see a door? And he's like, yes. And she's like, what's beyond the door? And he's like, I've never opened it because I'm terrified of what's on the other side. And he's quite emotional. And she's like, uh, we'll do it together. And you cut to his vision and it's himself and Troy standing in this corridor looking at this red door with the vines and they walk towards it and he opens the door and it's like what are we going to see on the other side but I love this and I I'm getting now why they said that Troy is vital mm-hmm. to the, the ending of this run and that people were complaining like where's Troy what, what's going on with Troy so they're bringing her in at a crucial moment and again it was great to have her and Data back as their old selves it, and 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 the, and the right version of them, the right version of them. I have no, I have no notes. I've only got one minor 
and it's not even a note, right? So in this episode, I have no notes, okay? The only thing where, that threw me off a teeny, tiny, teeny, tiny little bit. It was this... The carriage bald head. <laughs> it's been throwing me off since from day one. 1987. I, I just wish, if we could retcon one thing, I just wish Picard wore a wig. And he'd been wearing yes. a wig the entire time. A mohawk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the score, which is we've been commending throughout... Okay, yeah, I think I'm I'm going to agree with you. What are you going to say? There were there were moments in this episode where I went Stranger Things, and I was like, "Hang on a second. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, I was like, "That's the stra- that's just the Stranger Things theme right there." And that's all I'm saying is that the score for me just it was fine. It was fine. It just wasn't as good as uh, the other uh, episodes. No, I wish they kept the guy that did the last episode score I so thought this is different quite... I didn't even check the credit list I didn't even see this is the original there. guy's back now so there was a filler guy stepped in last week <laughs> was he had a I... wedding or something was it no because the, the, the final two episodes are massive <laughs> okay that the, the composer needed time to be able to score those episodes yeah so they brought in uh, another guy I mentioned his, his name on last week's episode and I can't remember it right yeah. now apologies but um no for me the, the score just felt a little overplayed when Data hugged lore yes. or when data pop back up but that's episode eight the end of act two the next episode i want to get your take on this it's called vox oh i don't know what that means oh that's throwing me for a loop okay vox pop vox yeah Vo- oh, okay <laughs> vox pop yeah it's gonna be like a bottle episode Nothing. seriously a genuine delight a genuine delight uh, I am going to get on the, that uh, series that you mentioned, which is on Amazon Prime. What's center it called? Seat. The center, center Seat. And just to be certain, uh, that book that I'm recommending, there are two books, is called, because I have it right here someplace, make sure I have it right, is called The 50-Year Mission. Sorry, it's The 50-Year Mission. That's what you said. First Okay, I thought it said for 50 year voyage and uh, written by Edward Gross and Mark A. Altman. So I'm going to get definitely. on that. Yeah, you well, will love it. This was episode eight, Surrender. Uh, it's available to watch on Amazon Prime and on Paramount Plus. Um, next episode called Vox. The episode after that, the finale episode is called The Last Generation. But one more Good to one go. Date. Good to talk to you, Will, and we're back next week. Love it. See you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. And here is a clip from the lad's latest mini bits bonus show. The full episode, plus 100 more, are available on their Patreon. Mini bits. Another new episode of this Patreon podcast. Kevin, how are you? Hi, honey. How are you? 
oh, you know, I've got this, I've got my corns sorted out. I went to the Chiraptist the other day and uh, she Your said, corn? To, my corns. Did you, you ever get corns? No. Did you know what a corn is? Yeah, it's a bunion on your foot, isn't it? Yeah, like in between your toes and stuff like that. Do you, um, do you not wear any shoes like around the house? You walk no, I, I, I wear, no, it's the opposite. GA shorts. It's the opposite. I wear incredibly tight shoes. Like those Chinese women. Oh. Who get their feet bound, who had their feet bound, like, you know, before the turn of yeah. this last century. And so they had incredible corns and bunions. This is a great opener for a mini bits episode where we get people disgusted. Squally, it's episode 73 of the mini bits. <laughs> I'm Kevin, you're Will. This is yeah. our Patreon podcast. Thank you to all our lovely patrons. Yeah. A few of you have jumped in recently. I don't know what we said. We try to goad people into joining up every single episode. And then every so often, it's like a lot of people join because of one specific episode. And yeah. I'm like, what did we, how did we say it? What did we say on that episode? It's different <laughs> to the other 270 episodes. Maybe it didn't sound as desperate. Maybe we said, don't join. Maybe reverse psychology. That's how we should do it. Reverse psychology. Don't join up to our patron. Don't. <laughs> cancel. You don't des- Everybody cancel. You, you don't deserve to be in this group. We don't want you. We don't we like don't the look need of you. you. We, don't, we don't need anybody. <laughs> it's just us. It's absolutely just us. Hey, should we tell people? We, we did, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't say it on mic. Especially sorely. We did an interview with the Irish Examiner last Friday. We did. Yeah. And uh How do you think yeah. I how do you think I did? I I I think you did all right. Like you didn't interrupt me once, so I was <laughs> delighted with how I came across. Well, you know, there's no sort of time limit on this. We don't know when it's going to get posted. One of our friends was saying, Kathy at the cinema was saying that their interview with did they do the examiner as well? It was six uh, months yeah. before it posted. And, and the Guardian, I'm pretty sure. They were, they were profiled in the Gar- Guardian as well. Yeah, but we don't do any really promotion. Like nah. We don't do anything. Well, this is our first time getting any sort of like proper coverage, which is going to be mad. So um, uh, listen to all you listeners who have uh, found us before we explode. You're you're you're, you're an OG. Bust. You're an OG listener. Before Kevin starts getting gold chains from all his Patreon dash. I think I'm more of a silver than a gold. I think oh, yeah. my uh, undertones suit more silver. But, uh, yeah. I just want to die. Those I, are my Prince Albert. <laughs> Your hat. Yeah. I want Speaking of, of the, which, I want one of those diamond studs in my tooth. That's all I want. So I can go bing whenever I'm on a call. Oh uh, yeah, bing. I usually just, you know, wink and like glints. Yeah. Like starlight twinkle. <laughs> Speaking of which, I interrupted you. What, what, we, what, did, what did you want to speak of, which? Start the timer. Oh, I forgot. You may as well. Start the timer. They, all, all these lucky losers are listening in and, and they're wondering, what are we going to be talking about? But we have to start talking about them after. Yeah. We, we say goodbye. But look, I wanted to talk to you about, um, well, you've seen a few things. You've seen the new Godzilla film. Yes. I've seen the first Omen. Uh, I saw Scoop as well. That, oh, uh, we're looking Netflix forward to watching thing. that. Okay. Okay. I'll save my thoughts. And right. um, what else did I see? I made notes, but sure. You it doesn't did. really matter. I think I saw it. And I was going to go through all the summer releases and see what oh. takes your fancy. Okay, okay. I'm looking forward because I don't actually know what's what's on the horizon. So, um, I'm well, the Joker Two trailer came out today. I saw it. Yes, I watched that. Hmm. 
it reminded me of Chicago. Yeah, it's kind of like you see it's all very much in the mind's eye. It, they're calling it a jukebox musical. Am I right in saying that? I think you're right in saying that. So, look, hey, listen. Uh, I actually, what it, what it did remind me of <laughs> was that I want to watch, rewatch The Joker because I saw it in the cinema and I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. It was a kind of a bold new direction. Uh, I'm just going to go back and watch the episodes from the Batman 66 show. The Joker episodes. Oh yeah, that's going to be... Just to fill me in like on the lore. Get up to speed. Get you right up to speed. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll be there going, where where are all the guys in the purple suits with the masks? When are they going to show up? And like, you know... It's a weird time though where we have the Penguin TV show with Colin Farrell coming out, which is a totally different canon version of the Penguin. Then you have this offshoot of Joker, which isn't... Its own universe entirely, mm. and then you have the old Batman films that you can watch. Right, and, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just I don't know. I'm kind There's of so many IP, but like this just everywhere. What well, what's happened is the world, the comic book world, has very much entered the the film world. It's where you could have different runs, totally different runs of a character by it's different insane. authors, and there would be totally different riffs on it and stuff. Oh, oh, it's this is insane. the thing. Kevin, so I'm only catching up on this. You mentioned it to me on a on a pod on a podcast. Wait, was it on one of those? Uh, it was the last. Show? It was the last mini bits. Uh, I you, think. you said everyone's describing stuff as insane recently. And have you started noticing it though? Only, only, only with people trying to raise you. That's the only type, only where place where I've noticed people. No, people on Discord are trying to every, raise you. Oh my god! Oh my god! I could start posting though, like, um, tweets, comments, TikToks. Uh, articles, anything. Insane is everywhere. This is insane. That's insane. It's insane. There was a festival just going on about this insane lineup. I was okay. like, oh, it's a mentally ill lineup. Okay. <laughs> it's just, it's it's everywhere. And the other thing, do you know the other thing that's also bothering me lately? Wow. Wow. And this has been bothering me for years and years and years. It used to be that everyone used to misspell definitely. They'd go defiantly. Okay. Oh, it's defiantly whatever. They would just, they were morons. But no. <laughs> I just keep noticing everyone keeps spelling a lot as one word, A-L-O-T, a lot. Where has, where have they gotten into their heads that a lot is one word? It's the same way that people will write every time as one word. What's the one that you've, you've pulled me up on a few times and I can't get it right? Compliment. Compliment. I can't, (laughs) but I can't get it right. It's like the you I. Because I told you the other day. Yeah, and I went searching for it and I couldn't find it because I had to actually had to an, use it. If there's an I in compliment, it's yeah. I'm paying you oh, a compliment. That's a good way to remember it. Okay, good. And then compliment. I, I wrote that to you. But you did. And I went to try and find it because I was I would found myself writing the word compliments. And I went, shit, Kevin. But, I, but you, you gave me a thumbs up, which meant in my world that, yeah, I read that. Thanks. But I did, right? I'm talking about a couple of days later when I was faced with the exact same hurdle of writing the word compliment, I went, okay, what did Kevin say again about compliment? There's an I and the E. What did he say? So I went searching for it and I found it, I think. And I went, oh, the I is paying me a compliment or I'm giving you a compliment. It's insane how little you can retain information. It's insane. (laughs) Come here, let's start talking about what we watched. Come on. Did you start the timer? Yeah, it's it's gone. It's ticking. It's ticking down. The world's going oh, to explode. You know, I have to put in the sound effect. I have to. I have to line oh. up all my sound effects. When you said start the timer, like, I have a whole it's... fucking. I have a whole soundboard. Here. Okay. Jesus 
Christ, where's me fucking... What? Where's me ding dang ding? <laughs> Here we go. The timer has stacked. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay! Right.